What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, finally, together again. Are we going to hear each other's voices back in our... This password's not working on the system. I love this. It's unbelievable. Our first day back. The gang's all here. Joe, Becky, and Andrew in one place, in person. Gentlemen, it is good to see both of you. I'm really glad to be here. And as we try to get back to normal, so are shoppers. Retail poised for a big post-COVID year, online and off. Shopify's President Harley Finkelstein. In the United States alone, 4.4 million businesses were created last year. That's a 24% increase on the year before. And politics around the world with New York Times columnist Tom Friedman. You know, Joe Biden may be the last pro-Israel Democratic president. When you look at where the base of the Democratic Party is going. Those stories plus flights and fists in the air, China's Robin Hood rivals and a cyber attack in the meat industry, the real meat industry. We're going to finally get to a point where nothing that we're eating has ever like really like walked around. It's Tuesday, the 1st of June, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three Two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And here we are together again. Good to see you guys. In one place. I said it was special. Special day. It is a special day. We're back together at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Market celebration. I've been trying to think. Okay, so what day did we what day did we technically officially leave this place? Around March 11th or something. And I remember seeing you once. Once or twice, when I'd gone, when I'd come back, and, and you remember upstairs, did the show that, upstairs a couple. That. I thought it had been over a year. I got back here April twentieth or whatever, and I've had this place to myself. It was and empty. It was empty. Joe's not used to sharing. When it was I'm an used issue to sharing, this morning, and I the cats room. away. The I had like play. this huge makeup room office. I had my own bathroom. Which I liked. Yeah. Uh, which I liked. You can keep it. <laughs> once I, now that I've used it. Yeah. Why, don't you just, why don't you just hang on to that? Good way to clean I went upstairs property. today. I went upstairs to, do, you know, to hang out up there, brush my teeth, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. I, I want to be at fresh breath. Because even though we're oh. further away, are we not? I think we're safe here. Yeah. Aren't we? yeah. we got little extenders uh, here. This is we're good. Vaxed. We're vaxxed. We're good. Did you notice you hug. have an extender over there in your further I've, I've seen it. I've learned. My eyes are teaching me that in the past year, I've also gotten older. I've noticed the same thing. I need readers at this point. But, gentlemen, it is both dis- good to see Well, both watch how really this works. You can talk. I can talk. You can talk. We can talk to each without other. Without talking over each other. Without talking over each other. And we we'll can, still talk over each we'll other. We'll still talk okay. over each other. That's not going to Without cutting the other one off. That's the <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about this, this morning's top corporate stories. Elon Musk saying the price of Tesla vehicles rising, and that's because of supply chain pressures in the auto industry. Tesla CEO made those comments yesterday in response to a tweet. Musk said raw materials are especially an issue. Tesla increased its Model 3 and Model Y prices last month. And speaking of supply chain issues, Intel CEO Pat uh, Gensinger is uh, saying that it could take now several years for the global chip shortage to be resolved. He made those comments while speaking to a virtual session 
at the Computex trade show in Taipei. Uh, He said that the work and study from home trend during the COVID-19 pandemic has led to a cycle of explosive growth in semiconductors that has placed huge strain on global supply chains. Some good news in the fight against COVID. The United States has now reported the lowest number of cases in more than a year, and the seven-day average is the lowest since March 31st of last year. Meantime, we're also seeing signs that people are ready to travel again. The TSA reports more than 1.9 million people passed through the airports during the holiday weekend. That's the highest number of travelers since the pandemic began. American Airlines is joining Southwest and holding off on resuming flight alcohol sales after increasing reports of unruly travelers. American says that sales will now remain suspended until at least September. In a statement, Southwest said that, quote, based on the rise in passenger disruptions in flight, we've made the decision to reevaluate the restart of alcohol service on board. With no specific date for resumption given in that, it has been a topic that we talked about just last week with Sarah Nelson. We spoke with her on Friday. Of course, she's the international president of the Association of Flight Attendants. A lot of times these events are exacerbated by alcohol. So we have been asking the government and the airlines to make sure that we're not selling alcohol right now because that's only adding to the problem that is very clearly uh, out of control. She also said that many of those tensions are coming from uh, being forced to wear masks and being asked to do that. This is a federal regulation at this point, but the flight attendants are basically the bouncers in the air, and they've had to deal with a lot of uh, pushback and just angry passengers and probably nervous passengers at the same time. I love that. The the newsflash. You know, a lot of these situations are due to alcohol. Really? Thanks for 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 letting me know. You still remember the guy who used to work on Wall Street? Would any? Oh, I do. I do. I do. I didn't even have to say Can never forget him. But would there be zero if the alcohol was involved? Wouldn't the the total number of cases would probably be zero? Just cutting out alcohol forever. Just calling it a day. On a flight? It's not good for you anyway. No, they say not. at altitude, it's not. It, it and you makes, feel bad when you get there. It's no good for anybody. You feel crappy when you get there. So there are times. Just, there are times where it'd be ni- it's nice to have just a. Little. How about just you know we? I don't. A one drink limit. I was going to say CBD gummies. They could they could pass around <laughs> CBD. They relax everybody. I haven't tried to smooth it out. My dogs tried. tried them. My dogs tried them because Martha Got brought. Into them? Uh, no, we gave the oh, Martha brought them in right. on, on yep. Thursday, and uh, the big dog ones and little dog ones, and they did seem mellow. They did seem. Uh, <laughs> so I tried to give those to our neighbor who has a dog. The dog ones. You tried to give it to the neighbor or to the dogs? Neighbor's dog. The neighbor's dog. Oh, okay. The neighbor didn't didn't really like the idea. I you think, gave it to him without asking. No, no, no! I handed it over. <laughs> well, people are confused. They think you're pot, like pot yes, brownies. You're they're not. Just, right. there's, there's no, there's no THC, not the THC, right? Right. It's CBD. Two Robinhood rivals in China are trying to cash in on the crypto craze. Futu and Tiger. Fu you. <laughs> yeah, Futu. You right back at you. Futu and Tiger Brokers say they're applying. To, to me, that they're applying for licenses in Singapore and the U.S. with the goal of letting local customers trade digital currencies. This comes as Chinese regulators have been cracking down on crypto. And you can have three kids if you so 
desire at this point. China. That's the lead story. Well, it, it's kind of amazing. It is. Went from you have to have three. Policy to two. I got three, you're, you're, you're so perfect. I, I, I would do well there. They are, they are pushing it because the population Demos. is aging. Right. And it's a real problem if you don't have enough young people yep. making money and working to take care of the older folks. Exactly. I just think it's really nice um, the government has decided remember, that that's okay, don't you? I mean, it's really nice. Thank you. When they you. changed it to the two-child policy, it was because there weren't enough What did they do if the you men? had... What would they do if you violated that? It was pretty severe. I mean, you'd be punished. You weren't allowed to get certain jobs. You weren't allowed to live in certain places. You, you just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm here. I'm, you're, you have, you're, you're right in line with their, uh, with the new requirements, right? Perfect. Well, perfect for the Sorkin family. Yes. Perfect for, and but it is. Yes. We, I don't know and what we would have done. If we, it is a great, and it's like ready-made. It's like you can order twins and a girl. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, if you're an expat in China, what would happen if we were like living in China? What happens if we were like the correspondent for CNBC in China? We happen to have a third child. I don't think it matters. If you're expat. A, an expat, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't think they actually have a lot of expats in China anymore. It's a weird it's headline. It's a weird headline, and it, makes, it just made me think of our system here. There's, I mean, I understand it's different. I'm not making any statements, but it's weird, isn't it? It is. A major cyber attack to tell you about this morning. Not specifically bacon. That's probably next. Uh, this time it was the world's largest meat producer that was hit. JBS says units in Australia and North America were hit over the weekend by what the company is calling an organized cyber attack on its information systems. The attack forced the company uh, to shut down its Australian operations yesterday. The attack uh, also reportedly halted processing at one of JBS's largest meatpacking plants in Canada. The company says the incident uh, may delay certain transactions with customers and suppliers. Analysts say it's unclear whether uh, the JBS shutdown could have uh, what effect it will have on meat prices, especially if they drag on for more uh, than just a few days. But we know, meat we've been reading articles, it's already, prices already spiking for, for a lot of meat. Meat costs go in, and then it's hard to get the same level of people on the floor right. for the meat processing plants, too. Right. Uh, I guess this will just hasten our move to whatever that other stuff is. I said it wasn't made out of living things. People got mad. Our plants, I know they're living, but they're not really sentient. Most plants, except maybe that, that one. The Venus flytrap yeah. or the big one? Yeah, yeah, that one thinks. From and the one from... Uh, Little Shop of Horrors? That Little one Shop thinks. Horrors, that one thinks. That one thinks. But in general, we're going to finally get to a point where nothing that we're eating has ever like, really like, walked around. That, that, that may happen. That may happen. It's going to be hard for me. What about insects? Insects are a good, eat good insects? source of protein. Well, no, it's a big source of protein. They're starting to use insects and all sorts of things to create natural proteins. It's true. Not, so it's not whey and I've milk. I've seen the crickets. So it's not milk based proteins. What is the day for the cicadas? Think if you didn't know it was going to happen, you'd think, oh, my God, God is mad. Okay. That's like Joe, but isn't it coming? Aren't they down in D.C.? Aren't they coming soon? They're already in South Jersey. Brian Sullivan has been taking pictures Great of them. Great source. He's been scooping them up Great in the back of, of the Great source of protein. Yeah. Crunchy on the outside, yep. soft on the inside. You heard my joke, right? Well, the, I have not. I the one be, cicada woke up, said to the other cicada after 17 oh, years. I did hear this. What happened to Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> and I, I'm not saying I did. He is America's mayor still, right? Sort of. I or, don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. The, the, uh, God, I hope that never happens to me. The hair dye. Sweat? No, the hair dye. Yeah. You remember? Yeah, it was, yeah. Running down from the sweat. I think mine's more professionally. Managed. Yeah, it's good. Don't you? Know.
Next on Squawk Pod, building a bipartisan bill. CNBC's Eamon Javers on President Biden's infrastructure strategy. Biden knows that he may never have as much clout as he has right now politically. He might not have the majorities uh, after the midterm elections next year. So it, this is his moment to do everything that he wants to do. And around the world with New York Times columnist Tom Friedman, from home to the Middle East to China. So I think China's on a really bad path. They have got to come clean here. And the way to do that, the way to do it was always make it the world versus China on universal values. Universal values about where the pandemic came from, universal values on trade. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. This is Squawk Pod. In three, two, one, Q Ander. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. And yes, it is true. You can see it live and in color. We are back in person all together around the same table this morning right here at the Nasdaq. Joe, you don't get it by yourself anymore. No. I know you had a whole, I was sitting there. I like whole operation. My American flag is gone. Be- Becky's back in her spot. That was my seat. When you guys keep it uh, warm for everybody, there was not one of these things. Kyle is back uh, hey. too. Hey Kyle, hey Kyle. He's got the steady cam, which means that I can't exhale. Uh, yes, basically because I never, around I never know where he is. The one shot doesn't have that issue. Have a full head of hair, though. That's why it's called COVID nineteen, unfortunately. Right. Um, but yeah, I do. I do have a full. Uh, a full head, of hair. and I'm working on the other things. I need. Uh, you know, the gyms haven't been. The, the gyms haven't been open really that that Agreed. much, right? Agree. You didn't get isometric the stuff, huh? No, no, not quite. Uh, looking good. I broke looking through some good. overhead resistance. Went to new highs. It's like a, <laughs> market parlance. Yeah. White House giving the GOP a week to reach a deal on infrastructure. Eamon Jevers, whose ears were burning earlier, we talked about you. I thought about you immediately with this cyber attacks. We need you like every day on that beat. But uh, you're going to talk. Let's start I, with this. Uh, this it's other always stuff. something. Yeah. Let's start with the transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, yesterday uh, or, or over the weekend, I should say, uh, setting this deadline now of June 7th, saying that the Republicans have about a week after they come back from uh, their Memorial Day recess, which they're on this week, uh, to come together with Democrats and, and cut a deal here. The, otherwise, the administration is hinting that they're going to have to move on unilaterally on infrastructure. Take a look at the math and you see 
sort of what the problem is. The problem is they're way off in terms of the numbers. Republican senators want a $928 billion infrastructure plan. Biden has proposed $1.7 trillion. You look at those numbers and you say, okay, they're not too far apart, except the Republican plan only includes about $250 billion in new spending. A lot of their numbers are repurposed other spending so the gap here is like $1.4 trillion overall. Sticking points are huge, including the corporate tax rate, uh, green energy, even the definition of infrastructure itself has been contentious in this, in this negotiation. So the administration is saying, you know, look, we're going to work with you for another week or so. At some point, though, they're hinting that they're going to have to move on and maybe try the budget reconciliation process in which they believe they could pass this with only Democratic votes. Uh, we'll see if they can do that, if they can get their own caucus uh, all together uh, in order to do that. It would be a massive thing to do uh, on your own. The president has said he would prefer to have a bipartisan negotiation with Republicans. But if the, they can't bring the Republicans on board, they do have uh, this other option, guys. So watch yep. for that. More and more we're hearing that as the country is reopening, I, I, Eamon, you watch some of the sporting events and it's like so great. Um, but people are out. Yeah. And you wonder how much time. You can't wait too long if you're the Biden administration because it, I know infrastructure is not related to uh, pandemic relief per se, but you still can't drag your feet on this or people are going to say we spent enough money. Let's let's, you know, let's start thinking about not just, you know, busting the bank uh, on, on pandemic relief and, and they better move. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. And look, the other clock that's ticking here is just the reality of the political clock. Right. I mean, Biden knows that he may never have as much clout as he has right now politically. He might not have the majorities uh, after the midterm elections next year. So it, this is his moment to do everything that he wants to do and get as much done as he can. <clears throat> this year is passing pretty, you know, we're here, we are in June already, believe it or not. So they know that they've got a, a limited window to get this done. It's not the four years of your term. It's really the first year of the term where you have the most clout to do the most legislating. Uh, and even with these thin margins, they know that they might not have this much clout uh, going forward. So if they're going right. to do this, they're going to have to do it now. And, and to your point, that sense of urgency around the pandemic is also an important one. And as that fades, that'll take some you of the urgency want, uh, away from doing this project altogether. Rates are low, too. Actually, the president actually mentioned that one of the speeches that uh, it's a sort of a longstanding idea that you got such low rates. Now's the time to make some of these investments uh, in infrastructure. We reference this, Eamon, the cyber attack on the meat producer, JBS USA. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about the latest attack? Do they want some uh, they want to get paid off in crypto? Is there any of that involved here? <laughs> Crypto are maybe burgers, right? I mean, it's a huge yeah. meat producing company. And we don't know a lot about this. I mean, the company has released precious little detail about this in their statement. Uh, they didn't even say whether this is a ransomware attack or not. They just call it a cybersecurity attack. So we don't even know what type of attack they're experiencing over there. Uh, and that gets to this larger question, guys, of whether companies need to be disclosing a lot more detail about these things. Uh, some companies are not even disclosing that they've had an attack. This company is disclosing that it's had an attack. They say they've hired an incident response firm 
so sometimes those firms are the firms that come in and do the negotiations with the hackers and pay them off in the case of ransomware. So you could be looking at that scenario here, and they could be in the process of negotiating a, a ransom payment right now. We just don't know the answer to that, and we don't know how badly affected they're going to be. They are warning that some of their operations might be impacted here as they try to get everything back up and running again. I think a lot of companies just don't want to be, be too uh, transparent. They just want to pay. The, it's easier to pay it, isn't it? A couple of million dollars. Yeah. They, they, those I mean, guys are, you, the, the attackers are smart enough to keep the, the uh, numbers low so that it makes more sense to do it that yeah. way. Sick. And it's yeah. the insurance companies that are often paying it. And then the question for the companies is, is the payment of the ransom less than what it would cost right. to beef up your Always cybersecurity is. processes right. company-wide? If it is cheaper, then you get, a, you get to a very cynical point where you're making a decision just on the dollars and cents and not on the security right. of the, the entire enterprise. Exactly. And it's easy to say for regulators, don't ever pay it, don't ever pay it. Don't, you know, you're just gonna, there's just going to be more, but... You know, if it's $50 million right. versus $5 million, what are you supposed to, you know, in damages? All so right, then David. at some point, does this just become a tax that the Russians can put on American companies? Is that, is that what it is? And it's just going to be business as usual? I mean, we might be heading right. that way. All right, Eamon. Thanks. Congress is on recess this week in observance of Memorial Day, but a key goal on return is the future of infrastructure negotiations. Joining us right now on the Biden administration's spending agenda and so much more is Tom Friedman, New York Times foreign affairs columnist and author, of course, of From Beirut to Jerusalem. I want to talk to you about what's happening in the Middle East in just a moment, Tom. But uh, I, I think of you a little bit as a Biden whisperer uh, of sorts. So I, I want to try to understand what you're thinking, he's thinking about this infrastructure plan and about the budget proposal that's been put forth right now. Well, Andrew, uh, great to be with you and great to see the gang all back together um, in the studio. You know, I, I think you know, Biden is, is really acting on um, what has really been a formula for every great successful president, um, uh, really, you know, going back 200 years, Republican or Democrat. When we invest in infrastructure, education, government-funded research, immigration, and the right rules to incentivize risk-taking, and prevent recklessness, we leap ahead as a country, whether it's building the National Railroad, you know, or the kind of broadband railroad we're talking about today. And so I see Biden very much in that trend. And I think it's incredibly important that we that we lay down this platform uh, for, for a big leap into the 21st century. And, and but what you've always been someone who's in the middle when it comes to debt and deficits. How do you think about that in this, this context? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want it paid for. Um, uh, I, I don't believe that, you know, you can, you know, endlessly, uh, you know, add zeros to things. But at the same time, uh, when we do add zeros in ways that uh, are really investing in the future that can actually enhance our productivity, you know, I, I'm ready to give a, a wide latitude on this. And, and I do like the fact that Republicans now have come up with um, a counteroffer. And, you know, I really hope we can we can see a, a compromise there because this is just really, really important. Um, and the pandemic underscored why we need, for instance, uh, you know, rural broadband everywhere. We, we need to strengthen our platform right. and the leap into the 21st century. So, so, Tom, I don't think anybody disagrees about infrastructure being defined around bridges and broadband. Where, where it gets trickier is when it gets into some other issues that some people describe as social issues. Do you believe that's infrastructure, too? 
I'm not sure I'd call it social issues. I'd, I'd call it investing in human capital. I'm not an expert on that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to listen to both sides. Right, right now, I want to get the hard infrastructure in place. But I respect the idea that, you know, providing uh, the kind of social foundation, um, uh, you know, for, for people and for families and working families is also about creating that platform for a leap forward. But I, I don't, I'm not an expert on that. Um, separately, I want to talk to you about the Middle East because you are um, a, a demonstrable expert on that as well. And you wrote a couple of pieces uh, recently uh, that if, if our viewers have not read them should. One's called How Joe Biden Can Win a Nobel Peace Prize. The other, uh, most recently, How the Middle East Conflict is Blowing Up the Region and the Democratic Party in Every Synagogue in America. Well, I'm curious what the response has been to those columns. Well, uh, you know, I'd like to think a lot of people took note of, about them. And the main argument there, Andrew, is that um, if there is no two-state solution, then there's only a one-state solution. And since that one-state solution um, can only preserve Israel as a Jewish state by systematically depriving Palestinians in the West Bank uh, of, of equal rights, um, those who accuse Israel of becoming an apartheid state are going to have a stronger and stronger argument. And therefore, every um, a synagogue, every Jewish organization is going to be asking itself and is going to split over this. Are you with that? Are you good with that or not? And what we saw in this last go round, you know, Joe Biden may be the last pro-Israel Democratic president um, when you look at where the base of the Democratic Party is going. And so my focus has been right now, Andrew, preserve the prospect of a two-state solution. Uh, it's vital for the stability of world Jewry. Uh, and it may be vital for the coherence of the Democratic Party. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You, you talk about it splintering the Democratic Party. And, and I'm curious to relate it back, actually, to the first issue we were talking about when it comes to infrastructure and so many other things the Democratic Party is trying to do, whether you think what's happening in the Middle East impacts that. Well, it, it certainly does. I, I would, though, widen the lens. Um, uh, I think there uh, I, I hope the next president um, will run to the center. Because I think there are two terrible ideas out there right now, two terrible ideas that are really rattling our country. Defund the police and decertify the election. Um, and you have an extreme left and, and, uh, and a, not only an extreme right, but too many of the center right pushing those two terrible ideas and um, defund the police. We need better policing and more policing. And the, the defund the police uh, mantra um, has really caused great harm to my hometown of Minneapolis uh, and, and other cities. At the same time, decertifying the election is a prescription for civil war. Republicans need to ask themselves, Andrew, one simple question. Hey, what if we win? What if we effectively create the context for decertifying the next election? What do you think is going to happen in this country? What do you think Democrats are going to do? Oh, OK. Oh, no problem. You, you want to see people in the streets. You push that decertify the election. These are two terrible ideas. And we need leaders in this country who are ready to run away from them to the center. Better policing and honest and integrity of elections. Hey, Tom, can we travel around the world and, and go to China just for a second with you as well? Because obviously right there is a big question mark now, uh, if there wasn't before, um, about whether COVID may very well be man-made. And the question is, if you are the U.S. government, if you are other governments, what you should be doing right now? Well, I like the fact that uh, President Biden has ordered up a, a full intelligence review. Um, uh, my own position was, hey, I'm, I'm perfectly ready to believe that this escaped from a lab. I, I, I wrote that. Uh, I didn't believe that it was designed as a bioweapon, but that's a, that's a whole different question. But 
I think this is a really serious issue, and let's widen the aperture a little more, Andrew. Did you see what happened last week between the European Union and China? The European Union sanctioned several senior Chinese officials over involvement in the, in the abuse um, uh, of, of Uyghurs in, in, uh, in Western China. China then retaliated by name against senior EU officials. And now they basically, the EU is, is talking about whether well, they've frozen and may collapse the EU-China trade agreement. So I, I think China's on a really bad path. They have got to come clean here. And the way to do that, the way to do it was always, it was not the Trump way, Trump versus Xi. It was always universalize it, make it the world versus China on universal values. Universal values about where the pandemic came from, universal values on trade. Tom Friedman, it's always great to see you. Uh, hopefully we're going to see you around this table sooner or later. Look forward. I will say this is easier to do with all of us sitting here because we can talk over each other without... Right. Without and it being awkward say, and without setting us off. Yeah, it's, 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 I raise my hand. We were doing like the, right. yeah, yeah. the trade off. It is easier. Whisper. You're whispering. We, we whisper. You can't whisper. You they can whisper. hear you. It's okay. It's a sausage being made. Coming up on Squawk Pod, back to the office, back to the stores, but back to normal. E commerce platform Shopify's President Harley Finkelstein says for retail, it's better than that. When you look at places, though, like Australia or New Zealand that have now emerged on the other side of the pandemic where things are going back to normal, you do not see retail going back to the way it was, to the status quo. In fact, you still see elevated levels of retail and particularly digital retail. That conversation right after this. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com/slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Since we're all together uh, here at the market site uh, as the reopening of America is taking place, uh, and we're probably late on the reopening ourselves, uh, we're going to talk a little about retail reopening right now with shoppers coming back to stores, investors wondering if e-commerce can sustain the surge of experience during the pandemic. And uh, to answer that question and so many more, uh, joining us right now is Harley Finkelstein. He is the president of Shopify. Shopify digitally supports well over now a million merchants worldwide. It's great to see you, Harley. We've talked a lot over the years or over the past year, I should say, about the idea of the pull forward. And so the real question is, is that pull forward sustainable? And what are you starting to see even in the last couple of weeks at this point? Hey, Andrew, great to be on the show and, and good to see all of you back together. A couple of things I think it's important to understand about retail. There, there's supply side and there's demand side of retail. And I want to start on the supply side of retail. I mean, the merchants, the entrepreneurs. One thing that we have not really talked about in the past year together is that 2020 put the spotlight on a, on a type of entrepreneur that has been around for a long time, but never really had a name before. And, and the name of it is the forced entrepreneur. We talk a ton about you know uh, needing passion to start a business, but there's a, this other catalyst 
for becoming an entrepreneur, which is survival. I mean, that's my story. I started a business to help put myself through school and, and support my mom and sisters. And that's Toby's story, who moved to Canada and entrepreneurship was his only option as a new immigrant. And that led to Shopify. So although forced entrepreneurship may sound negative, it, it's not. Forced entrepreneurs actually become entrepreneurs to survive. And studies have shown that they are more likely to build a successful business because they have to. So let's talk about what we're seeing right now. This pandemic, as we talked about, all these challenges uh, came out of nowhere. As a result, thousands of new entrepreneurs emerged. We saw new store creations on Shopify increase by about 80% in 2020 versus 2019. In in the United States alone, 4.4 million businesses were created last year. That's a 24% increase on the year before. And just last week, two businesses on Shopify, Oatly and Figs, who started as small businesses, actually went public. So that's the that's the uh, supply side. On the demand side, in terms of what's happening with the consumer, there's a 5.4% increase in spending on goods, accounting for most of the growth. That's a very promising sign. And the last consumer confidence numbers also show a very optimistic outlook, holding steady to uh, uh, highest in the last 14 months. When you look at places, though, like Australia or New Zealand that have now emerged on the other side of the pandemic, where things are going back to normal, you do not see retail going back to the way it was, to the status quo. In fact, you still see elevated levels of retail and particularly digital retail. So there's a lot to be optimistic about here. So, but in terms of just growth, just I'm I'm talking about in the United States, can you give us any kind of visibility into what the numbers have looked like even the last three weeks? No slowdown whatsoever from our, our perspective. In fact, more brands are starting to sell more, more products. A lot of the businesses, uh, my wife's a foodie, and it was just uh, it, was, it was our anniversary, so I want to get her something special. So I want to get her uh, a book from French, French Laundry. What I noticed is you take this iconic American restaurant like the French Laundry that had to close during the pandemic, and they now have a full-fledged online store on Shopify selling products right. and cookbooks and kitchenware. So in fact, I don't think, I don't think we're going to see uh, us going back to an old version of retail. I I think this new paradigm shift will remain. And I think the major thing for people to understand is that the center of gravity is now online first, not offline first. Harley, as you know, last week, uh, the District of Columbia brought a lawsuit against Amazon, uh, calling it a monopoly. Do you believe Amazon, Amazon's a monopoly? I think for the future of retail to be interesting and exciting, it needs to be in the hands of the many, not the few. One of the things that you're seeing on Shopify, we now have more than 1.7 million stores. We're about 9 or 10% of total e-commerce in the U.S. Every one of those stores is independent. And I think what consumers right. are showing that they want to do is they want to buy direct from independent stores, not necessarily go to a single place that is centralized. But are you an example of, are you, are you Amazon's defense at this point? I mean, look at your success over the last year. If you're Amazon, do you say, look at those guys over there. We're not a monopoly. We're not doing anything. There's competition I, here. I think you can have two, two versions of retail. I think you can have a version of retail where people go to one place to buy their staple goods, their toilet paper and detergent and, and toothpaste. And for those, those marketplaces are, are great places to do that. It's convenient. It's fast. But if you want to buy a great hoodie or a cool pair of Albert sneakers or a pair of socks from Bombas, you're not going to the marketplaces. You're going direct to the actual independent merchants. And Shopify powers that. So I, I think the two can exist. But I think more and more consumers want to buy direct to if consumers. If the Department of Justice calls you, you're going to testify against Amazon? I can't speak to that. You, you can't what? I can't speak to that. I, I don't know the details of that, and I, I don't know what I would say if, if they called. Okay, fair enough. Harley, it's great to see you. Appreciate it. 
Folks, it has been well over a year since we were all here together at the NASDAQ. In fact, this is my first Starbucks in 14 months. Had it today, broke back in, been making coffee at home. I even brought my own coffee this morning and then broke down and had this one anyway. It was a good uh, restart. I oh, think. I thought you were going to say good run. It was, it was good run without us is what you were going to say. I knew that's where this was going. Better. No, no. Uh, it's, it's, good to, it's good to be back. It's good. It feels good. Everything went, uh, went pretty well. No, no delays when people are talking. And, we can and see each other. See each other. Yeah. Get in, uh, get in on, on interviews. I'm wondering, do summer doldrums... When people haven't taken a vacation in a year and a half, do they take more vacations so that summer doldrums are even worse? Or That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Now, back together in one studio after almost 15 months apart. You can talk. I can talk. You can talk. We can talk to each other. Without talking over each other. Without talking over each other. And we'll still talk over each other. We'll still talk over each other. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, let us know. We're on Twitter at Squawk CNBC or click write a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.